welcome to the Stanley Street Social presented by MAP. My name's Alex Clements, and if you do want to support the show, please check out our presenting partner, MAP Apparel at map.cc for all your kit needs. Today on the show, we've got a very special guest. He's a Finnish professional athlete. He drives for the Mercedes F1 racing team, and his name is Valtteri Bottas. He joined us a couple of weeks after his first event of the year, the F1 Grand Prix in Melbourne, was cancelled. We chat about his preparation for that, how he was feeling. We go into depth about how he trains mentally. We talk about the Netflix effect on his career and his awareness, how he manages his relationship with Lewis Hamilton, and a little bit about his writing. And then we wrap things up with why he believes he got to the the top of the sport. If you do enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, uh, and I hope you enjoy the episode. What, what time is it there? It's now not 9 a.m. Okay, uh, cool. In, I'm in Finland. Oh, you're back home home. Yes, I'm actually in pretty much as north as you can get in, in Finland, so just close to the Sweden and Norway border. Mm-hmm in the Lapland um, thought that it, this would be with the current situation a good place to be you know yeah and some uh, toys here and snowmobiles and um, like e-bikes and like like fat bikes and cross-country skis and all this kind of stuff yeah what are wh- what are you up to at the moment that's a good question I'm <laughs> trying to figure out that myself as well <laughs> you know it's uh, um, obviously many of our races been been postponed or some even even cancelled so at the moment we're not going to be racing for a while at least for further one and a half months i think so uh, for me at the moment um still every every day obviously keeping in touch with with my team so we don't forget what our job and mission is for for this year but other than that it's uh, for me it's a great opportunity to um, make a good good training block again physically because obviously for us always the winter break is the, is the great opportunity but now that's been extended so better to make most out of that that time and still try to relax as it's a pretty unique opportunity to have some chill time and time in a, in one place for multiple weeks but at the same time build build more more the fitness base how long do you guys get for your off season normally so usually i i get one month fully off from commit by the team so mid december until mid january and yeah so until mid december we're busy and then from mid january we start to have some kind of commitments here and there and then february gets really busy so it's actually uh, quite short considering that the season is, is pretty long yeah is and and what does your off season look like well last year um i was mainly in australia so I think in total of three weeks, I was in Australia, mainly in uh, in Adelaide area. Um, went to Tasmania as well for some mountain biking. Oh, you went to God's country. That's that's where yes. I'm from. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. So the Derby. Ah, oh, lovely. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really, really good mountain biking there. And first time in Tasmania, beautiful nature. But yeah, just went to different places in Australia. Um, at the same time, having time off, relaxing, and at the same time doing good training with with Tiffany. So good, good miles with the, with a bike. 
what yeah what what is the actual physical aspect of your off season look like so yeah first you when we kind of start the off season first you have have some rest for your body and mind do kind of whatever things you like to do but then um in the winter break it's it's more like building the base or trying to do good amount of hours um not maybe that much high intensity yet but just kind of base training and trying to keep the heart rate quite low and so long rides is perfect for that really and then obviously um we need to got need to do quite a bit of gym work um some speed and skill work and um yeah that's normally the, the winter break but yeah obviously i spend more more time on the bike now than ever mm. ever before um i always used to be more of a runner and then in the winter i used to do quite a bit of cross country skiing for that but um, being in australia under the sun bike was a nice option and how are you feeling in terms of you've had this break which is very rare for you guys you had an off season you had to build up you're ready for melbourne you were at the race um and unfortunately for f1 it had some terrible timing with the coronavirus outbreak how is yeah, how is that affecting you it was really strange you know everything i was so ready you know all the preps we've done we had a good good pre-season testing in in europe and uh car was feeling good i was feeling really really good and ready and i remember still on thursday morning we did kind of the the final uh, short uh, training session with my coach in in melbourne in the morning and it was kind of we did a bit of running then a bit of speed and skill and some drills and stuff and i've never felt kind of in terms of my nervous system, I never felt that fast. You know, it was such a good feeling. I was so ready physically and, and mentally. Then we had our, our day at the track on Thursday with usual meetings and preparations and media work. Then on Friday morning, I woke up. I had quite a few missed calls and messages and I was not sure what's going on. Obviously, there were rumors, but then I heard, you better go home. So <laughs> it was so weird, such a weird feeling. And... Like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then we were still obviously prepared to race next weekend in Bahrain. But obviously then quickly things escalated and we saw that we're not going to be racing for a while. And, uh, yes, strange feeling. But, um, you know, now starting to realize and just make, uh, make most out of this time off and uh, be ready then when, when needed. So you went to bed Thursday night. Um ready to drive your car Friday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was excited to, <laughs> to be in the car on Friday morning. Obviously on Thursday already there were some rumors, but only rumors, nothing confirmed. And there from people there saying yes, we were going ahead with everything. But then there was a decision made on, on Friday morning, the final confirmation. So mm. you mentioned you had your nervous system dialed and everything was feeling fantastic. Um how do you train that? Well, I've been working with this coach I have now since 2015. Um, we worked already when I was in F3 for one year, in, I think it's 2009 or 10. And obviously how your nervous system is, is at the peak is a um, combination of, of many, many different things. Your training needs to be in, in balance. You know, you can't do too much monotonic training. You need to do different kind of things. And... You have to you have to do the right amount of um, training for your nervous system. So, um, a bit of speed work, reaction work, um, 
drills, kind of similar drills than some footy players do, I guess, or um, tennis players or something like this. So some multitasking things. And as long as your body is kind of well rested, not too overtrained, then you can normally reach your peak. Although it's very mental as well. You know, if you're mentally ready, normally your body follows as well. Is it, there is, you're in the ultimate pressure cooker in your sport um, compared to a cycling race, which is, there is pressure, but uh, there's a, traditionally a lot more build up. There's a lot more longevity to it. You guys are, have to be on the ball from the get go and any error, uh, there's huge consequences. Is there anything in particular you do from a mental perspective? Mentally, normally, I, when, when I feel well physically and when I just feel that my head is in, in, in the right place with how things are in, in life and that I've been able to do um, use my free time to things that I, I like to do, then just get this good good feeling mentally and, and positivity and good mental energy. And what gives me also kind of the confidence and not being nervous is the preparation that I do with, with the team and with the engineers and if there's any question marks I always ask them and I always want to just have the weekend that there's no question marks at all so for me everything is clear you know what I have to do what kind of things I have to focus on and then I just remind myself that uh, in the end this is the thing I, I know how to do the best I'm no, no better at, in any other thing so and also reminding the previous kind of good results I've had and, and all that. And then once you get there, you, you kind of feel that you can do anything. If things go well, everything is possible. And uh, you just have that confidence. Obviously, it's, not, it's easier said than, than done because we have, in theory, we should be having 21, 20 races. But um, to be at your absolute best every single weekend is impossible. But at least to be as close to that. Uh, that's the key. You mentioned you know you're the best at it. Can you remember when that clicked, that you were like, I am good at this, I, I, am, I am the best? <laughs> well, for me, when I first tried a go-kart, I was five years old. So that's when I really fell in love with the sport. I uh, never experienced anything like that, you know, being in control of a car and going quite fast. That was something really cool. And obviously then only my first race I did was I was six. Um, I was third in my first race. It was small, like a club race. And I was super annoyed that I didn't win. So then I could definitely see and my parents could see I have the competitive mentality what do you definitely need for it. Um, but then the next race, before that, I practiced a lot, and then I won won the next race. And um, it's obviously still that kind of club racing, small budget, just having fun racing, continued for multiple years. But I think around around twelve, thirteen, um, or fourteen, when I won the Finnish championship in in karting, and it happened by for me just putting a lot more effort. Uh, into everything that what came to driving so I started training physically and I started not just driving but also in the meantime thinking a lot about how, how, how I can go quicker and kind of studying myself and really putting effort into it and then once just those 
international results and national results started coming, I, I, I knew that I had the skill. So then I really did, decided to put, put all in for the sport. But it's, um, it's a long shot when you're that young because everyone knows how difficult it is to get to Formula 1 and uh, need to be at the right place at the right time as well. But, um, but then I would say then finally, once I got my first win in Formula 1 in 2017 at the Russian Grand Prix, um, when you beat everyone on, on, the, on the grid, all the best drivers in the world, that gives you the confidence that, yes, uh, I'm pretty good at this and I can do this. So from then on, I knew that anything in my career is possible and I can still achieve the big goal if, if, um, if I work for it and if things go well. So, and that's still there. It's still posi possible. So it's interesting and exciting. Yeah. And you mentioned part of that was the time you spend with the engineers, the time you spend with your car. It's, I guess, uh, a different part of your sport that cycling and many other sports don't have is the the trust and the difference that your technology actually makes, the vehicle that you're in. What do you, what do, you do when you're with the engineers? How long are you spending with them? What are you doing? And, and how does that play into your confidence? Yeah, it's... it's um... You could say that this sport can be quite unfair at times because the, obviously the car makes such a big difference and, and the team around you. Um, because it's a fact you with some, some cars, some teams, you can't win. Um, so you need to be in the top teams and, and with, the, with the top people and um, you need to be able to be a team player within the team, team as well. Um, but what we basically do with the engineers um, we find performance and how to find performance nowadays there's so much data that you can you can investigate and look for sure for you as a driver in terms of your your driving uh, every single detail what do you do how's your you know braking input steering input input how you really control the car uh, there's so many fine details that you can always find things to do better in certain tracks certain corners certain conditions so that's something we we all the time work on and and this winter especially we've been working on with my uh, driving style quite a bit for a certain type of corners to try and get rid of my natural style in places and kind of try to learn some new techniques that can work in certain conditions so it's always just working with them with those fine details and um then also, obviously, the setup of the car is, is quite important. So there's lots of analysis and time going into that, finding always the best setup for every single track. Um, and also, again, um, depending on the condition. And we do have a new car every season, so the setup is never the same from one year to another. So you need to really stay on top of that. So that's normally what we do. And we, have, we do have a simulator at the factory in England. So I go there sometimes, but um, I would say I'm a bit more of an old school driver compared to the younger generation. So I prefer the real driving to the simulated driving. You, um, you talk about your confidence and how important it is. Have you had any times where it's, it's hit rock bottom? Oh yes, many times. <clears throat> many times. And, 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 and how, how you, you fail in this sport much more than you succeed for sure 
have you how, how have you gotten out of that so far been always finding a way um normally i'm pretty good normally i can get quite quickly out from the disappointments and always trying to make sure that i learn from them i always try to be very honest and um, self-critical so basically i look in the mirror see if there's anything i could have done better then we obviously also analyze with the, with the team all the facts that what went wrong and why and how to avoid that how to do better in the future mm. and then once everything is clear then then you move on because there's always going to the next race and the next opportunity but the difficult part is then when you have many weekends in a row that uh, becomes doubt is a disappointment and you feel that you failed then that starts to hit your, your confidence and um, for me a good example was the tail end of 2018 was pretty tough season and just things went worse and worse for me uh, I, I felt I was underperforming and not on top of my game so i only could turn around that situation over the winter um, with having some time off and really resetting the mind and and finding that right attitude again but um, normally it's pretty quick and goes with it with a routine so how did you how did you reset things over the winter well, for that that winter example, I, I needed complete disconnect out of Formula One because I, I realized my life had been only about Formula One for multiple years in a row, and I, I didn't have really things that I, I was doing apart from either driving or thinking about driving. So uh, I just needed to back off a bit, um, went for some holidays, and just did kind of whatever things I wanted to do. Uh, during the break and uh, then there was like a switch after one month off that uh, I decided that yes I, I you know I'm up for it and I'm gonna smash everyone <laughs> <laughs> then uh, then the first race I did actually the season didn't continue like that but uh, at least the comeback then in Australian Grand Prix in 2019 that was that was nice and it felt really really good have you taken a little bit more of that a balanced approach to your profession now or was that just a, a regrouping period and then straight back into it i'm all about f1 yes i definitely took a lot from that i I've, i learned a lot what works for me and also uh, yes beat the races even during the season uh, being able to nowadays to to find that time to think and do other things and then i feel that when i come to a race weekend i have so much more energy and i'm much much more well i'm even more motivated and um yeah so i think in this sport it, it, you can definitely learn a lot about yourself and what works for you and your human performance so i've i've learned a lot and i feel now i have all the right things in in my life and right mindset to do um, to to achieve my goal. Mm. When when did you start cycling? Mm. Well, obviously as a as a kid, I was riding my bike already quite early, um, and I, it has always been my like part part of my training program. It was always a good way to do some slightly longer basic endurance stuff. 
Um, always liked mountain biking well in in Finland. That's pretty good uh, where I used to spend a lot of my time in in the past. Um, but then I, I always found found it quite difficult with traveling with with racing. Um, you know, always found running was the easier option. So did a lot more running. But uh, then in Monaco, lots of cyclists around, and sometimes you might end end up in some bunch uh, bunch ride or something like this but then it was not really until i met met tiffany i realized the the beauty of the sport and um, also having a training partner like like her makes it a lot more interesting and and actually knowing a lot more about the sport it's really really cool so and you know the feeling when you, when you really feel and see your personal improvement you know in, in cycling you know when the same route you've done becomes because so much easier and average speeds goes up, heart rates go down. It's, uh, it's a nice feeling and chill out around Monaco area. You know, there's so many cool roads and, um, but you do need good cycling fitness to be able to do, do those climbs and, and so on. So now I really, I love it. You know, I'm completely addicted to, to cycling all forms, uh, road and, and mountain bike. So yeah, it's good fun. Uh- and so you're training with Tiffany? Yes, yes, we're training a lot, lot together. Um, we can do bike rides together. We can do gym. Actually, yesterday we went for run in the snow. So um, yeah. Does she uh, drop you up the climbs? Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> the longer the climb, the worse, obviously. But uh, yeah, I can. You know, initially when we went for some rides and kind of the first time when she tried a bit harder on a climb and dropped me. I was I was destroyed mentally. I was like <laughs> so I was so dis- disappointed to myself and I was telling her no I, I can't train with you anymore and you know you're too fast for me. But then you know I've been improving still she would drop me on, on climbs but um but we can do most of the specific stuff she's doing you know some some of her efforts I can hold on to the wheel. So um yeah but I'm improving so that's good to hear. And you demoed a new Mercedes bike when you were out here, yes. I saw. Can you can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? <clears throat> yeah, so it's um it's called N Plus is the is the brand. Um it's quite similar to Nobe bikes. I think the same same people it. So it's an Australian brand. And um they uh, some quite a few months ago. I f- f- first saw some some pictures of um, like what they were planning for for the paint job. And actually, the bikes they're they're painted by the same guys who paint our, our racing cars in England factory. So the paint job is, is really cool. And I've never had ridden that kind of bike before, and I really really liked it. And you know, the detail um, is. Pretty cool. So yes, uh, I had that bike in in Melbourne, and, and for me the plan was to um, for the team to take the bike to every every single race weekend. So that would be a bike that I would be rise, riding all around the world in different places. So uh, yeah, I only had a couple of rides with it, but I look forward to more rides with those. And I think the guys they did really really nice job with, with it, and hope hope it will get some interest, and and uh, I would definitely recommend especially for people who, who like Mercedes or Formula One. It's a pretty cool thing to have and it is a good good quality bike as well. Yeah, well it looks very cool from the photos. Mm. I guess 
for me and a lot of my friends, Netflix has put F1 on the sporting radar for a lot of it since season one of the documentary they released. How's that affected yeah. you guys? Yeah, I think we've we've got some new new followers for Formula One and new new fans through that. So I think it's a good thing. Um, I think especially in the US, you can really see the difference compared to previous years. And um, so we had the uh, Netflix people. I think it was in Hockenheim last year, in the race that was the worst race for for our team in the whole whole season. But actually, I've seen that episode only. Uh, not seen any other episode from season one or two um, for now, but um, pretty cool. And you know, I think they're doing really, really nice job with it and kind of making a bit of a story around what's happening in, in F1. I think is a is a good idea. It, how, how does it work when they are recording that one episode with you guys? Do, do you just have a man on you all day? Yeah, so they have, I think, three three people. Just kind of re- recording every everything at the track, and then they kind of choose the pieces they are going to be using. So actually, example for for myself, I just had one quick interview with them. Um, but apart from that, there was no other commitment. So they kind of just follow and get their stuff that they they need and put it together. So actually, in terms of stress or any extra load, there's nothing really. So it's it's pretty good how they do it. Yeah, well, it's 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 definitely um, increased your exposure here, and I'm sure all around the world. Mm. Have, how, how do you how do you go managing fame? Well, sometimes it's pain in the ass, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because sometimes it would be nice to be kind of unknown and do all the things you want to do. But obviously, yeah, and with this sport, the more you do it, and obviously. Uh, more results you get people around the world get to know your face but it's been i would say 99.9 percent positive so every now and then you get people in random places saying oh well done that race or all good luck for the future or so there's some nice nice support um but yeah sometimes also from where i come is quite a small place and been used to being you know unknown and and uh, doing my own things so then some sometimes can be slightly distracting I, I guess also you learn how to deal with it so you just need to kind of a little bit choose the places you spend your time and and the people you spend your time with and make sure that you keep um, the most important friends close to you and and for me there's obviously I could have a thousand friends right now if I if I wanted but <laughs> there's no need you know I, I have good people around me and and I just want to be spending time with the people I, I really want to and who I trust and um, go from there but I guess you you kind of get used to it in a, in a way mm. your teammate Lewis Hamilton a very successful driver how, how do you describe him yeah he's obviously really successful probably one of the best and most successful drivers in in history of Formula One for sure. And um, yeah, he's still he's been around for quite a while, but he's still you know, really on top of his game year after year. And he's super super talented. He's got a great talent, obviously, but also 
I think not many people know that he he also works works hard and um, so his speed it doesn't come for for free you know he he's definitely working for it and he's also spending quite a lot of time with it with the team and and um so yeah it's um it completely deserves all the success he's had do, and for me it's guys, a great motivation try and yeah. try and beat him so do you guys hang out no we don't <laughs> you know it's a it's a, it's a strange sport we, you know we're, we're teammates but at the same time we're the worst enemies as well because yeah we, we can obviously we can compare each other perfectly with similar car and mm -hmm. same for all the all the other people so you never want to lose to your teammates uh, because they're always striving for your future as well and um but we, we get along well you know there's no no issues at all when we we know the facts how it goes you ever hang out with your teammate or never or any other drivers no no not really so i've had i think lewis is my third teammate in one and never really outside the track unless you've bumped into someone but uh, no we don't really go for coffees or dinners or training the it seems from my my knowledge that you guys have a good relationship, even though mm. there is that com super competitive nature, this crazy setup of teammates that are com continually competing against each other. How did you, how did that come about? How did you get that to work? I guess there's so many scenarios where um, high pressure environments just cause relationships to go wild. Um, but you guys seem to have got it sorted. Yeah, we. I, I think it really works well, well for us. Um, I think it down, comes down to respect. So I think we we both respect each other um, as a driver and as a human being, and we completely know the the name of the game in this sport. That um, we are here to drive for ourselves to achieve our dreams. Um, but if we can work together, it will benefit both of us. You know, it will benefit the performance of the team if we are willing to kind of share and communicate all the information and really put our heads together as well that's how we can improve the car and how, how we can do better uh, so we've yeah we just realized that that it, it it's a win-win situation then and then in the end on track best man win um, and it was actually the first race we did together uh, 2017 in melbourne before the um, for the race weekend started, we we had a chat with him, and we both kind of agreed that uh, there's no gonna no games involved. We we just want to be here to race and hard uh, race hard but fair and um, no bullshit basically. So. Mm. And so, if you get super angry at Lewis, like absolutely fuming, how do you tell him? Or do you not tell? Uh, I try to tell that. <laughs> I try to tell that on on track. Uh, you know, I do speak a bit bit less and drive drive more. So, um, but yeah, obviously, it would depend on the situation. Why we he would make me angry, but if he'd made me angry just by beating me, you know, there's for me no point to say anything. Then it's again an opportunity for me to look in the mirror and see what I can do better. See if you were probably one of the most talented athletes we've ever had on the podcast you're in this super unique sport where there's just so so much pressure so 
few seats at the top. Why, why did you make it, not others? Well, uh, I guess I know how to drive a car. That <laughs> helps for sure. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I've been thinking about it sometimes myself too, because it's, it's quite kind of crazy because when I first time, when I tried the go-kart, I, I, I to- told myself I want to be Formula One driver. Um, like I said, for sure, you need to be in the right place at the right time. You need to have the right people around you. But from where I started, my chances were quite slim. I come from a normal uh, family, not partic- particularly wealthy or anything. But I think, I think through my uh, results, through my commitment to the sport, how much I worked with myself since, luckily, since a young age, I found it interesting to um, find different things, how to develop myself and really put effort into it. I think doing that from a very young age, that kind of gave me the opportunity. Then with the results, I got the right people around me, um, found the right path in terms of my career path. Um, it into the right racing categories, being in the right teams, um, winning the right championships, um, then becoming driver for Williams. I managed to convince them that I was quicker than um, the race drivers. And um, yeah, from there. So it's been a long way, sure. But um, that's why I say every, every single one, you know, there's so many young karting kids and they should never set any limit or put any disbelief in themselves that nothing is, is impossible because everything is in, impossible in, in this world and you just never know if you put the time and effort into it. How much of your success do you put down to luck and how much do you put down to talent? Um, I don't want to put too much into, into luck because I don't... I'm not, I don't really believe in luck that much. I think things come comes with normally hard work. Um, so it's it's difficult to say. Well, you've made it. You've you've turned into a uh, super successful uh, racing car driver. Yeah. And yeah, but the thing big thing is still yet to be achieved, and I'm, I'm on it. Can you can you visualize it? Like, can you measure how far away you are from it? I guess it's hard because. You were coming red hot into this season and then it got ripped <laughs> away from underneath you. But Yeah, it's going to be quite a unique season for sure, this one. Um, and I feel I'm, I'm close to being there where I want to be. I feel I've been able to really, the last three years especially, been able to get rid of um, some of my weaknesses in my driving and really finding good performance gains uh, in many areas. So I'm... I'm yet to reach my peak. Not, mm. I was not there last year. That's why I didn't win. So I, I feel it's very close. And um, that's why I'm really, really excited about the future. Mm. So what's next? You've got, you're back at home, home. Um, regret- yeah, for me, home, home is Monaco. So for me, Finland, obviously I grew up in here. But um, yeah, decided this would be. Like I said, a good place to be at the current circumstances. What 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 are you do? What are you gonna do? What, what what's now? Are you just waiting? Are you training hard? Are you having a bit of a break? Is there? What's your twenty twenty looking like so far? Um, so yeah, now um, it's good good um, opportunity 
for, for training and finding gains physically and, and mentally. Um, but if I look at short term, what's next in one hour and a bit, I have a call with my engineers. Um, they have put something together, some more stuff from, um, from the winter testing we did in Barcelona, some more things to analyze and for me some more more things to think about during this this strange time. So we're going to be, I think I said earlier, yeah, every week in touch with it, with the team. So that's next, and really take it day by day, make most out of every every single day, and uh, then be be ready when needed. And I'm I'm sure soon we should be able to know when we are going to be racing for the first time and how the calendar is going to be looking like. And when you know that, then you can do more specific preparation. But uh, for now, really enjoying. Enjoying this strange time, you know, making most out of it. That's it. Will we say you do any virtual races? I don't have really a good simulator at home or anything, but never say never. I could do a swift, swift race, maybe. Yeah, maybe do a swift race. Yeah, I could do. I've never done one, but um, have you got a, to... Have has Tiff got a Wahoo trainer or a uh, smart trainer? Yeah, she's got one. Yeah, yeah, but I'm actually I'm getting one as well. So oh, good. Uh, you're on All Swift. Right. Well, let us know when you're on Zwift or whatever platform you use and um, yeah. we'll go for a ride. Yeah, sounds good. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Have a good day. No, thanks for having me. Thank you, you too. Um, All the best. Really appreciate it. No worries.